is, is a two, we start a two-part message so this week and next week. Now, next week, if you're not here, of course, you wouldn't hear this if you're not here. If you have friends and family who aren't here today, they can come next week. It's a standalone message. Let me encourage you that this week's message does not stand by itself. If you only are here this week and you listen to what hopefully God has to say today, and then you don't come back next week, you might be stuck in a sort of a funk of depression. <laughs> because you're going to need part two to qualify part one. So I just want to put that out there for you. So if you're planning to be gone next week, I encourage you to listen to it online. Because this is the beginning of the journey. We will finish the journey next week. If you stop after this week, I'm just not responsible for how you may feel. In 1758, Carolus Linnaeus coined the phrase homo sapiens, 15-year-olds try not to giggle, to classify modern humans. And this phrase literally means wise man. That's what homo sapiens mean, means. It means wise man. Frankly and honestly, it seems haughty and egotistical to me to label us as wise. Wisdom suggests goodness, and I struggle with any scientist looking at humanity and how we behave and deciding to label us good or wise. I just struggle with that. Some 1,720 years earlier than Linnaeus's pronouncement of Homo sapiens, a wise man had this exchange with one of his fellow humans. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Why do you say I'm good? No one is good. Only my Father in heaven is good. When I read this story, I, I think of Jesus. Jesus, who was clearly, by all accounts, good. But here he spoke from his human side. And he said that none are good. And by none, he means no humans. Something I find very interesting in this exchange is this comment right in the middle of the, of the discussion. It's easy for some to dismiss this because a lot of times Jesus would say stuff and he was speaking hyperbolically. If you forget from your ninth grade English class, hyperbole is exaggerating to prove a point. And so he would say stuff like if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Better to enter into the kingdom of heaven as half a person rather than going to hell as a whole person. And so he was using hyperbole. But in this instance, right in the middle of this discussion with this man, Jesus says this. He says, the commentator Mark, I apologize, Mark says this about Jesus. And I think Mark puts this in there in order to help us not dismiss this. 
Mark says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He wasn't smacking him down. He wasn't using hyperbole to prove a point. He wasn't just trying to to bring him way over here. He was telling him something honest and true. The young man asked a sincere question. What do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gave him a sincere and honest answer. And in that answer, he first had to deal with the guy's false belief. And the false belief is that we are somehow good. Jesus took that off the table. Today, most of us believe we're basically good. But Jesus and the rest of his word teaches us the opposite. Let's pray this morning and ask God to show us his truth. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for the technology that you provide us with that allows this message to be there, wherever there is. And I thank you that your word through all of time has given us the truth. I pray that we can stand firm on what you tell us today. May our hearts be tweaked as we look deeper at who you are and understand who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Something I hear all the time, and I've said myself, is this. I am a good person. You turn on almost anything on TV, like award shows. I was recently watching, I think it was the Grammys, and there's this lady, and I I think she's kind of cool, like, honestly... The girls would know what her name is. Um, Lizzo. <laughs> Thank you. I had to dance for a second. Um, and she comes on, and she thanks God, which, is, which a lot of folks did. If you watched the Grammys, there was a little, bit of a, a little bit of a dust up on the Grammys. There's some guy named Sam Smith, and he did this really kind of crazy song where he was the devil, and there was red, and it was, it was really weird. And everybody kind of saw it as weird, just to be honest. It really wasn't that good. But then the whole rest of the show, so a lot of people tuned out right there. They just turned it off. Literally right after him, the next singer, which I'm drawing a blank on her name, comes in with a, a, a heavenly choir dressed in church robes and singing basically praises to the Lord. And the whole thing ended with a, a guy named DJ Khaled. I'm, I'm trying to show that I'm hip here. So DJ Khaled singing a song that God knows or God does or God did or something. It's a really good song that, that it's all about God. And so the Grammys, this huge celebration, and in it, you, you have the gospel being presented even after Satan had his moment of trying to present something. But all of the speeches, not all, many of the speeches, they were like this. Thank God. I thank God. There's a lot of pointing up to this guy. Thank God. And there's a couple of Jesus. And, but all of them were talking about the goodness of humans. They were saying that, you know, we are just good people trying to do good things, and, this is, and we thank God for the award that I got to see. Okay. They're theologically incorrect. We can make this sermon really short. You could be at lunch before any other church group in the entire town. I can just tell you this. Many humans believe we are basically good, but the Bible teaches the opposite. At the core of our being, we are sin- sinful and fundamentally bad. Amen. Let's go. And we really could do that, and we maybe even should. I don't think it completely works, though, because just like children, we all demand explanations. When when we tell our kids not to do something, they often say, but why? Not always whiny like that. It sounds like that to me every time. They may not be whining, but it sure sounds like it. But why? You have to explain it to me. And we say, dads will know this, 
Because I said so. <laughs> Amen. That has got to be in the Bible somewhere. Actually, it is. In the Bible, it's thus saith the Lord, I've not yet risen to the place where I can claim God's status in my own house. So. But we say because I said so. And this is a perfect picture of the relationship we have with our dad in heaven. He told us unequivocally, without a doubt, no qualifiers or anything, that we are sinful by nature, basically bad. He has told us that. And we either flat out do not believe him, or we defiantly stamp our feet and say, but why? This is how we are. It's how our kids are. We're his kids. It's the way it is. This is how we come to each and every week on Sunday morning. And I want to do a side note. I might do this side note a couple of times. Most of us, most of us who are in here who have known Jesus more than 10 minutes can say, oh yeah, yeah, sinner, sinner saved by grace. I am completely bad. God is completely good. Most of us can say that. But we do, and our actions and our words outside of church and the way we behave toward other people, and the things that we say at work, and the things that we say at home suggest this, that I'm basically good, and I sometimes do bad. So our actions and our words don't often match. We're stuck in what this is called an either-or theological construct, not what's called a both-and theological construct. And we're going to talk about this a little bit. What I mean is this, we believe that you're either good or you're bad. That's how we behave. We believe that you're either good or you're bad, you're not both. In our culture, we struggle with a both-and concept. We don't do well holding two truths in conflict with one another. It's difficult for us, it's a challenge. And we start this two-part series today, it's called Rags to Riches. And in this, we will explore the theological truths that often fly in the face of our human beliefs. Honestly, for some of us, this will be an easy journey, punctuated by a lot of head nods, which I've already seen, and by a few amens, which I've already heard. For others, this may be a really difficult journey that challenges the deep-seated beliefs passed on from generation to generation that do not match the Bible's teachings. It's sometimes risky, it's almost always risky, I think, in, in some way or another, to use headlines from the news. It's tough. It's a tough thing to do. And sometimes the stories just hit too close to home. It's like, ooh, that's, uh, I kind of relate to that too much. Or sometimes we risk further saturating our already bad news-soaked brains to the point that we just tune out. It's like if I hear one more bad story, I just, oh. And I know people, and there's some in here, and I, I, I'm with you, I understand, who are like, I haven't watched the news in six years because it just depresses me. And I get it, I get it. It's very, very challenging, very difficult. But knowing the risk, here are a few examples from recent news stories. A town employee embezzled a couple hundred thousand dollars from their local school corporation. A high school basketball coach got fed up with a parent, actually over a number of games, number of parents, constantly berating him. If you didn't see this video, it was very interesting. This older grandpa-looking coach, and the parent just, da, 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 and the coach calls timeout, and they're trying to win the game. The coach turns around, walks up into the stands, and grabs the dude. As a former high school basketball coach, I empathize with the man. Wish I would have thought of it first. <laughs> but... But it's, it, you know, 
It was a a moment of just sinfulness and badness on both parts. Teachers and coaches all over the country, I, I found so many stories on this, I'm not referencing one, I'm referencing hundreds, have inappropriate relationships with students. Big companies, I found a dozen, a dozen stories on big companies daily caught doing terrible things that hurt people and property. If you hadn't heard about Springfield, Ohio, just yesterday, another train derailed. By the same company, Norfolk Southern. Sorry, Norfolk Southern, we're calling you out. Fix your trains. And people are now scared. And this is what happens as you look into the world. All of these things are going on, and it's hard not to see that human beings by nature are not good. But even so, here's the common refrain. I've done a lot of sermons, a lot of funerals, I apologize, and, and I used to have a church up north in what's called the region near Valparaiso, and it was on Highway 30 between Wanatal, Indiana, which is where I lived, and, and Valparaiso, which was the big town. But because my church was on the highway, and I used to put up clever signs on my little signage, um, you know, those neat kind of signs like, uh, what's missing from church? You are, and you take the you are. anyway. So I would do these things, but by virtue of being on Highway 30, which was a heavily traveled road, kind of like 31, a lot of people would hit me up to do sermons at funerals that never went to church. And so I would, I would always be doing these things where I didn't know these people. I'd never met them before. I didn't know Grandma or Grandpa or Uncle Joe or Aunt Diane or whoever it was. And yet they would come in, and they would ask if I'd do the funeral. I'd be, graciously, we always said yes. We felt the Lord put us on that highway on purpose, and I would have a chance to preach the gospel. But I would always, always, always get this thing. But, but he was a good person. Did, did Uncle Joe know Jesus as his Savior? Oh, Uncle Joe was a good person. He was a diamond. Okay. What, what do you do? got to preach a sermon at their funeral, and you don't want to disparage the family and Uncle Joe and make everybody mad, but you got to preach the gospel. And they would say things like, surely God wouldn't ignore all the good that Uncle Joe did. And so we're stuck with this question, are we basically good, like Uncle Joe was, or are we basically bad, like the Bible says that we are. And that's the challenge. And that's where we theologically, whether you think you're a theologian or not, you have to have a theological stance. You've got to place yourself in one camp or the other. This isn't one of those things where we can agree to disagree. Some people grew up having communion on once a month, and sometimes it's every week. We can agree to disagree on that. Some people like gray carpet in the church, and some people like brown. That's really no theological issue, although some make it out to be. But this is one. Are we bad inherently and basically, or are we good? I think a lot of us draw lines of comparison. We say things like, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. Don't you love it when that guy lives near you or is your friend? At least I'm not as bad as... Tom, no offense, Tom, I'm, I just grabbed a name out of the air and yours is the one that came. And yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, or we take it to the extreme. I mean, we use these examples and they're just like, wow, I wasn't even thinking that way. At least I'm not a rapist. I, I wasn't thinking you were. I'm not a murderer. My goodness, dude, stop. I don't molest children. You got to quit because I wasn't thinking any of that until just now. I'm not an adulterer. Okay, okay, just, okay, I get it. You, you want to put yourself 
Let's put other people down so you feel better. We all know that works out well. Jesus said, if you look on a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Guys, that's a really very, very high bar (laughs) for us calling ourselves good by nature. If you look upon someone with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. If you hate somebody, Jesus said, it's like you've murdered them. It's a high bar. So this week and next, we're going to go on this roller coaster. And, and, I, and honestly, i got to be honest, I'm struck by a thousand different things. I've been working on this for weeks because Jeff gives me a heads up way in advance. Can you preach on such and such? Well, then I start in my crazy brain sending texts to myself and writing notes. And, and I, this, this literally is a five-page distillation of about 70 pages worth of stuff. And I go over all these things in my mind, and I throw this out and toss this out, and hey, let's go this direction. No, let's go this direction. So my prayer today is that this is focused, and it makes sense to us. And see, I'm, I'm, as I'm balancing my generally optimistic nature, my, my, my the little company I consult for in Greenwood, they like me because they, they, I'm, the, I'm the optimist. I'm always like, but did you, hey, but he's a, oh, you know, that's pretty good, and they did this well. And I try and be optimistic. And I have to balance it with the need for realism about navigating this life that we live. Because it can be tough. And optimism sometimes just gets you smacked in the face. There are a lot. There may sound like some contradictions as we look through a few things today. However, I think if we can trust one another, I think that we get through today and on to the hope of glory that we'll explore next week, that we will, we will erase those contradictions or at least put them into perspective. I'm going to outline a couple of philosophical truths that are, again, hard for our society to grasp. I've already mentioned that we don't hold both and very well in America. You're either or. You're either a Purdue fan or an IU fan. You cannot be both. I actually stand by that. Um, <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you which one I'm a fan of. IU. Um, I said that out loud, didn't I? My bad. Sorry, Facebook people. Um, but we, we don't do this well, but I'm going to share a couple of big words and, and, and some thoughts that hopefully will help us to kind of understand. In this philosophical realm, there's several kinds of data, but there are two types of things that we particularly focus on. The important things for us to remember is there's an idea of something we know to be true. Okay? Now, we're not going to get too in the weeds on this, but... We all know and agree this is a piece of paper, hopefully. And you could probably argue it some other way. It's a tree. It's a pulp. It's this piece of paper. So things we know to be true. And there are things, and that's called epistemology. That's the big word, epistemology. It's not like a cuss word. So we know these things to be true. And then there are things we believe to be true, and that's called doxology. We all know the doxology, right? Praise God from whom all... That's just one type of doxology. Doxology are the things we believe to be true. Epistemology is what we know to be true. And here's the challenge, and here's the rub I have with science. There are things that I know to be true, but science tells me I have to say I only believe they are true. I know there is a God, and His Son, Jesus Christ, came and saved me. I know that the Bible is His Word, and it's perfect and infallible and given to me over the centuries as a guidebook for life. I know this to be true. Science says I have to believe this to be true. Now, here's the issue I have with science. I know some things are true, like this is paper, but I also know some of the things that science purports are just beliefs. 
So science believes something to be true. They can't prove it. They can't go back in time and show this, that, or the other. They believe it, and they call it epistemology. You can't do that, according to them. You can't say, this I believe and I know, if you can't know it for certain, according to science. So science and I have a, a conflict, and so we agree to disagree. I'm not the boss of science, and science isn't the boss of me. And so there are things that I know to be true, just as there are things that science knows to be true. And sometimes they cross over to what could be considered belief, and that's where faith steps in for both science and non-science folks. And I'm not being mean to either one. I'm just giving you processes here. It's just a process of how we have to identify things. Both, back to the both and, you know, as we're doing this rags to riches, we're, we're going to start with the rags part, and this can be very depressing. And I, and I ask that you listen with an open mind and an open heart. We're going to prove, using the Bible, that we are both sinners in need of a Savior, as well, this is a little teaser for next week, as royalty in the family of God. And we're going to take a few minutes here. We just got a few minutes we're going to look at three things. The first is human nature. Human nature. Here's the truth about human nature. And you're going to run through your brain a lot of scenarios, but just listen. Given a choice, given a choice, minus specific consequences, that's, that's key. Given two choices, minus specific consequences, humans will often choose the bad. It's just what I've, 54 years, it's what I've seen. If I can get away with something, if I'm sitting in the classroom, I can't get this answer. No one's looking. The dude doesn't know I'm looking over his shoulder. The teacher is busy on his phone. There are no cameras. Oh, seven, cool. Minus specific consequences. And we get a choice. We'll, we'll take the bad. $100 bill on the ground. You know. And we might even make a show of it. Anybody, anybody's money. Is this anybody's? <laughs> you know? But given you know, a chance to steal. A chance to steal a look. A chance to be mean and nobody knows. Given those, those opportunities, we typically choose the bad. And this is human nature. Inevitably, you've been in this scenario. You're with your buddies, and you're all sitting around chatting. We're going to use Tom again because Tom sits in the front row, basically. And so we're talking and said, you know, yeah, that's cool. That's funny. You know, Tom, you know, Tom. Oh, you hear about Tom? Yeah. <laughs> you mean Tom? Oh, yeah. Man, he's a jerk. I do not like Tom at all. Oh. And we join in. Yeah, he is a jerk. Man, at one time I was, and all I did was asking for a donut, and he's like, I'm going to kill you. And, you know, we do these things, we, 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 we join in. Given the opportunity, we dive in. And we, we do the wrong things. It's just consistent with our sinful nature. On the flip side, most of us, if not all of us, have had instances in the same scenario where we do the right thing. We stand up for Tom. Tom's a great guy. What are you talking about? He always shares his stuff with me. Tom is a good person. I don't understand the Tom that you're talking about. And sometimes we'll stand up for that. But here's what you may not like to hear. When you joined in and did the wrong thing, you were just acting as you and your nature dictate. When you did the right thing and you didn't malign Tom, it wasn't you. It was God. 
And that bugs the snot out of some people. Bugs them. Bugs, bugs, bugs. Some of you might be bugged right now. Be like, no, 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 no. That was me. I did that. I'm the one who stood up for Tom. We have to understand this hard concept. Anything that is goodness in us comes from God. Anything that is goodness in us comes from God. In fact, how do we even know what good and bad are? How do we even know what morality is? Who established the criteria of what is right and what is wrong? It certainly wasn't one of us. I know it wasn't me because I would have a whole different set of criteria and you all would lose and I would win. Moral standards came from somewhere. And so the goodness that we sometimes do originates with God. When it comes to evil, it's simply the negative of what is good. God created everything. You can read in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. He created everything and he said, it is good. He also gave us the freedom to choose, which is how we are made in his image. And by virtue of that ability, Satan chose to rebel against God, ultimately, ultimately leading all of humanity into that same rebellion. The great theologian and pastor John Calvin puts it this way and names our condition. He calls our condition, condition total depravity. In his doctrine of total depravity, Calvin explains that humans can outwardly appear to do good things, and these outward appearances have one of two possible sources. The first source is God, the creator of good. The second source is our selfish nature, which believes that if we do good, we may receive something in return. This is called selfishness or opportunism. And so as you're going through your mind, you're saying, well, last week I was at Starbucks and there was a lady behind me and her kids were nuts and she was having a tough time and she's rifling through her purse. And so I just said, look, I'll pay for hers. See, I did good. I did good. I paid it forward. Someone did that for me once and I did good. That inherent nature is is only the stuff that comes from God. Even knowing what good is only comes from God. The second thing we have, besides our human nature, and consistent with our human nature, is wrong thinking. It's just, we have wrong thinking. Pastor Jeff calls it stinking thinking. I don't know if he coined that or not. There's some words that I don't like. Stinking is one of them. I don't know why. I just don't like it. I don't like, the, I don't like bodily smells and that kind of stuff. And there's an F word in my family. It's not the one you're thinking of. Um, I don't like that word and those types of things. But he calls it stinking thinking. And so we have, this is the problem. We think everyone else is bad. And we and those who think like us are good as if this is even possible. That's not even possible. It isn't possible that everyone else is bad and we are good and those who think like us are good. That's not even possible. Because you're a human being. And we can see that this, if you honestly look at this, it creates a really messed up world. I'm right. I'm right all the time. You're wrong. You're wrong all the time. I'm 100% right about 100% of the things that I talk about, think about, do, and say. You are 100% wrong and 100% wrong about the things you talk about, think, and do, and say. It's not even possible. But we have this mindset this is exactly how we think. Now, you can speak it. I know you can talk it. I can talk it. I can say, no, 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 no. I'm, right. I'm wrong sometimes, and they're right sometimes, and, you know, not really. Our thinking is wrong. We believe you're either good or bad, and you cannot be a bit of both. 
We, we believe that either thinking rightly or thinking wrongly is something that it just it separates people, and you cannot sometimes think rightly and sometimes think wrongly. And if you're more mature, you understand this. And I'm not trying to be mean about that. I'm kind of talking to us older folks in the room. We've sort of gotten to a place in life where maybe we get this a little better. i got a great story from the Bible here in a second. We really are all mixed bags. We have good stuff and bad stuff in us and in our thinking. None of us is completely right. None of us is completely wrong. And those are the facts. At a minimum, anyone who is a follower of Jesus needs to do his or her best to give up wrong thinking. That's the minimum. We do this by adopting a stance of humility and willingness to listen and love others. There's this great story. It's like my favorite. It's not my favorite. I can't say that. I like a lot of stories in the Bible. There's this story, and this whole thing's going on. When I start telling you the story, you'll probably remember. But at one point in the story, Jesus, because he was like Clint Eastwood before Clint Eastwood, and I can almost hear I mean, he was like, it's a standoff. And he bends down in the dust, and he starts writing. It's like Clint Eastwood. I'm going to write stuff in the dust now. And so these guys are watching as Jesus. They were talking about who's going to stone this lady, and there was this adultery thing, and all this stuff's going on. And Jesus bends down and starts writing in the dust. It's so cool. I want to see a movie where this happens. And then I want everything to blow up. But anyway, so, so he's writing in the dust. Legend tells us, the Bible doesn't, that he was writing the names of the people standing around. And then the story goes and says this, as Jesus bent to write in the dust, they began to disperse. The old first. Get that. Young people, when we yell at you, when we berate you, when we hit you hard and challenge you and tell you what's right, it's because we're old. Because like these old people in this story with Jesus, they knew they were wrong. They knew Jesus was speaking truth. They knew that none of them were without sin. They knew that they were inherently bad. And they began to back away. The old first and then the young whippersnappers. The young whippersnappers turned around and were like, where'd all the old folks go? Well, wisely, homo sapiens, they walked away because they were caught. They were caught. We're sinful. We are sinful people. Jesus pointed it out to them in the most profound way. Pick up the first stone. You throw it at her. There was one dude there that day who had the right to throw a stone by Hebrew law. And he decided to write in the dust and share the names of those standing nearby, which he probably could not have known except for him being God. Final thing is a lack of trust. Our human nature and our wrong thinking naturally and strategically leads us into an only possible scenario that means we're not trusting God. I get, I'm going to be careful here, I get, a, uh, I get accused, and I don't mean this in a, I'm not being defensive, I'm told that I argue people and back them into a corner, and that this can be annoying. I'm told this by people that you can imagine would tell me this. <laughs> Um, and, and I understand what's being said. And, I, and, and when I set out to make an argument, it is not my intention to be annoying most of the time, although sometimes it is. Sometimes I argue for the sake of arguing because that's human nature. But when I'm arguing something, especially from the Bible's perspective, my, my intention 
is to stand on the truth and the truth alone, not my opinions or thoughts per se. And so if you feel backed into a corner, this, this conversation today of is, is human, are humans basically good or basically bad? The answer is we're basically bad, and the Bible tells us that. End of story. Like I said, we could have finished this 15 minutes ago. But we have to exercise because the reality of it is more than a few of us, more than a few of us, and if it's no one in this room and no one on Facebook, it's somebody you know who believes that people are basically good. And through that belief of being basically good, you are lacking in trust of God. You are diminishing God's work on the cross. You are saying that I don't really need Jesus' salvation because I'm basically good and I'll get there. My good works, my good deeds, my good thoughts, my good attitudes will eventually get me there. And all of your goodness is not going to get you there. Why does God go to such lengths to drive this point home to us. I have set on every chair is a piece of paper. If you didn't get one, please, before you leave, I want you to take this home. This is yours to take home. And if you want to take one for a friend, feel free. There's a few extra lying around. This is just a smidgen, and I mean that in the truest sense of the word smidgen. I don't know what the word smidgen means. But it's a little bit of the verses in the Bible where God makes it clear to us that we are inherently sinful and not good, and no good is found in us. And I want you to look at this this week. And the reason I want you to look at this this week is I want you to contemplate the fact that we are not good. And if we are not good, what does that mean? If we are inherently evil, as the Bible says, then what are we in need of? We are in need of a Savior. And when we play this game of I'm a little bit good, I do a little bit of good stuff, I'm kind of good, I'm decently good, but I do good things. What we're doing is saying, I don't really need Jesus. I don't really need the blood of Christ. I don't really need the cross. I don't really need salvation. I can bridge this gap between me and God with my goodness and that will fail. And if you don't believe that, I can't even explain to you. I'll leave this to you in your own Hebrew studies. Jesus, or God speaks, I'm sorry, In the book of Isaiah, there's a discussion, and it says, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the winds, and and the wind, our sins sweep us away. God uses the extreme visual of filthy rags to describe our goodness. There is a study, and it's Imagine the filthiest rag you could, const- you could contemplate. The filthiest rag in human history. And that's how God views our goodness. That's our goodness. For goodness sake, that's crazy. This is how He views the things that we do well. They are as filthy rags. We're going to wrap up today. <clears throat> a little bit of a summary. You know, God's God's always teaching us and showing us, but I think fundamentally and foundationally we have to understand this. Because when we try and do things on our own, when we try and get to God of our own volition, when we try and work our way to heaven, when we try and do good deeds and think that we are good people, we are short-circuiting the entire process. And not only are we short-circuiting the entire process, we're showing a fundamental lack of trust in God, and not only are we showing a fundamental lack of trust in God, we are messing things up for other people, not the least of which are the young people in our lives. Does that make sense? When we say, you just be good, just be good, and that's going to be okay. That's not going to be okay, and we got to be honest. 
And so when we tell young people that there's this good path and I'm, the, I'm thinking right and my people think right and I only think right and we don't need anything else but just our good works and our good will, that is not going to get them anywhere but to a nothing. And so theologically, from the biblical perspective, we have to understand that we are in desperate, desperate need of a Savior. After the fall, after Satan deceived Adam and Eve, all human beings were born inherently bad. That is what the Scripture teaches us. Those verses I gave you will outline that ad nauseum. And that is, like I said, a fraction of the number of times these are mentioned in the Bible. And the fact is that these realities with Adam and Eve and Satan had immediate and long-lasting effects. Death came into the world, and we still suffer today from the sin of our first parents. Each generation that passes increasingly believes the lie that Satan has fed us, the lie that says we are basically good, it simply is not true. And the results of that lie, they, they diminish God's work on the cross, and they're devastating humanity. And finally, the truth is that we are inherently sinful. And because of that truth, we need a Savior. And if we think anything differently, we're showing that we do not trust God and His plan and His purpose and His hope for us. You know, I started off talking about the both-and philosophies. As we head into next week, we're going to explore the idea that we can be both sinners in need of grace and princes and princesses who are co-heirs with Christ in God's kingdom. My charge to us this week is this, and it's going to be hard, and it won't be a lot of fun, but read through those verses and contemplate the rags of your sinful existence. Our best, our best stuff is filthy rags to God. And next week, we're going to explore the riches of being in God's family. As the band comes up, let's take a moment to pray. Be silent for a moment, and then we'll close out as they lead us in a song. Father, it's a harsh reality. It's a hard thing to think that there's just no goodness in me and I don't want to believe that but I have to because you tell me it's true. I want to be good but I don't do the good that I know I should do and I'm always doing the bad that I know I shouldn't do and that's what Paul told us and that's the life that we live. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would impress upon our hearts our desperate need to understand our sinful nature and that at the end of the day we are in total need of your salvation and we can rely only on you for any and all good things. We know that every good and perfect gift comes from you, who are the Father of the heavenly lights. And we pray for the goodness of the salvation of Jesus Christ to just reign on our hearts now. I thank you that I'm saved by grace through faith. I thank you that I understand my place. I look forward, Lord, to you showing me even more amazing things about this complicated relationship that we have. Help us this week to Think about what it means to be so separated from you, even as you have shown us a way to be connected with you. We pray all this thing, all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys would stand up with us.
darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, turning lives around. I worship you, I worship you. You are here, mending every worship you I worship you you are way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my God that is who you are you are way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my God that is who you are and 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 that is who you are even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop never stop working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, and 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 that is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. Never stop working, 
You never stop, you never stop working. Sing it with us. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Go ahead and be seated just for a second. We'll have the news in just a minute, and then we will get you on your way. Um, For those of us of a certain age, sad news to let you know, the creator of the Creature from the Black Lagoon just passed. Uh, He was 93 years old. I know it's a tragic moment. I don't (laughs) know. If you kids haven't seen it, Google it, Creature from the Black Lagoon. It was terrifying at one point in time. It's not anymore. I hope that you pick something up today that you can use this week. I hope you're not depressed about what you picked up today. And I encourage you to come back next week to see the rest of the story. Because uh, as Paul Harvey puts it, there is more to the story. And so I just pray that this week you can, you can have some quiet and intense times with God, understanding and contemplating what He has done for us. But the position that we have is important for us to understand. Please take those a paper home with you. That can be your study for the week. That can be a, an entire week's worth of, of Bible study for you. Just go through those verses and you'll, you'll find something. God will speak to you. Uh, watch the news and then go to your favorite lunch place or go home. <laughs> Good morning, Impact Christian Church. My name is Abby Lucas and I just have a few announcements about what is going on here at ICC. Up with the dawn and the rooster crow Been that way since I don't know There is youth group tonight from 6 to 7.30, so please help us by moving your chair after service. If you are in the 55 and plus group, on Wednesday, March 15th from 11 to 1, we're going to be hosting a luncheon here at the church called Council on Aging. If you are interested, please get signed up. It is that time for us to open Camp Brookville. We're going to be doing that on March 18th from 10 to 3. If you were interested in helping out by opening up the camp, please sign up at the information desk. Don't forget next week to turn all of your clocks one hour forward. If you would like a brand new coffee mug to add to your collection, please check out the ICC Creations Cafe mugs for only $13. Well, ICC, that is all the news I have for you. I hope you have a blessed and awesome week, and we'll see you next week. For all that we've grown.